A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and in amazement they asked, are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his native language? We are Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. The word of the Lord. In the first reading today, we hear the wonderful story about the descent of the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples, and then they have the ability to speak in foreign languages. And so being able to communicate in foreign languages is one of the signs of the, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is not good news for me because I'm terrible at foreign languages. I studied Spanish for years and I never really got it down. I still, even after years of studying it, uh, trip over words all the time. And it gets me in some trouble at times. I was in a soup kitchen once in Tijuana, Mexico, and, and we went out to the countryside with a truckload full of bread. And the women of the village came out to receive uh, these uh, gifts of bread, but there weren't that many women and we had lots of bread. So we were giving out large bundles of bread for each woman. And I wanted to say, you can share this bread with the women of the village who have not come today. I wanted to say, ustedes pueden a compartir con este pan con las otras mujeres. You can all share in this bread with the other women of the village. Ustedes pueden a compartir. Except that I said, ustedes pueden a competir, which means you all can compete with the other women for this bread. And the women looked at me and said, no. And I said, see, 
And we got in this argument until one of my one of my fellow team members came in and rescued me from this terrible situation. The other one that I got mixed up in northwest Mexico, there's an idiomatic expression. If you want to say just a minute, we always say, oh, just a minute. They say un rato. Rato means a while. Un rato means just a minute. Un ratito means just a second. Un ratito. Well, I kept saying un raton, which of course means mouse in, in Spanish. And so I was teaching uh, these, uh, the Mexican nuns who ran the soup kitchen, I was teaching them English. And as they were leaving uh, after the lesson, I wanted to give them their homework. It had fallen to the ground. And I said, un raton. And I reached down to the ground. And when I came back up, they were gone. A little later, a few days later, in the middle of the night, I slept near the gate of the, the soup kitchen and I heard banging on the gate and I came out and there were these two men in the middle of the night and they said, remember, it's a soup kitchen, they said, do you have anything to eat? And I said, si, un raton. And I went inside, fixed them a sandwich and came back and they were gone too. We laugh about miscommunication, but the truth is we can even look within people who speak the same language. All you have to do is look at Washington, D.C., right? They all speak the same language, but are they communicating? Are they communicating? And we can laugh at them and mock them or scratch our heads or wring our, our hands because these people that we've elected are in D.C. They speak the same language. They do not communicate. But the truth is we don't have to go that far. We only have to go as far as our own families and our own friends. Sometimes the people whom we love the most are the people that we have the hardest time communicating with. One thing I learned in my years of studying Spanish is that that those who have trouble speaking a foreign language, it's because they're too self-conscious. They're too preoccupied with how they sound and that they get every word right. And those who speak a foreign language well are those who sort of lose themselves in the conversation and focus more on the other than on themselves. If that's true about speaking a foreign language, might that be true in the spiritual realm as well? Because this story, the story of the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in foreign languages, is meant to be juxtaposed with that Genesis story of the Tower of Babel. Remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Genesis chapter 10. It's a story about the early peoples when the humans were, were not that long on the earth. And they said, this is what they said, it's important. Let us make a name for ourselves. That's what they said. Let us make a name for ourselves. And they start building this mighty tower. And the higher that the tower went, the less that they could communicate with one another. Well, it makes sense. They're so full of themselves that they can't communicate with one another anymore. Now let's juxtapose that with the disciples. They are locked up in this room. They have locked themselves in this room out of fear of their lives. And guess what? They had a reason to be afraid because their savior had been assassinated by the government only 50 days before. 
And they themselves later on, almost all of them will be martyred themselves. So they were right to be afraid. They were right to to think that if we leave this room, something really terrible could happen to us. And yet when they received the Spirit, when they received the Holy Spirit and was filled up with the Holy Spirit, they could not help themselves. They couldn't help themselves but risk their entire lives to communicate this message of the love of Jesus Christ. That's what they were communicating, the the language of love of Jesus Christ. And that's why it cut through culture and language. It's because they risked their very lives for it. And it repaired the damage of the Tower of Babel. I spent some time, a little bit of time as a missionary in Africa, northern Uganda, working with South Sudanese refugees. And I went out to this very distant village where they don't get to see a priest very often, but they were all Catholic, very devout Catholics. And so we wanted very badly to to just love them as best we can, to express our love and the love of the church for these very devout Catholics who kept the faith even when there were no priests in their village for weeks and weeks on end. And, and so we tried to figure out how can we communicate this love because none of them spoke English. They all spoke their tribal languages. And we figured out one of the best ways to communicate. Abuna, father, me, puts on the purple stole. Everyone in the world knows what that means. The confessional, huh? And I went and, and sat under the shade of the one tree in the area. And one by one, each came, came and made their confession. But here's the thing. They made their confession in their own tribal language because that was the only language they knew. And I didn't understand a word of it. And then I gave them absolution in English, which they didn't understand a word of. But here's the thing. Love was communicated that day. They understood the love of Christ that day. A little later that day, we wanted to somehow, in a ritual way, show them our love for their grief and their loss because they had lost so much as refugees of South Sudan. And so all we had was this silly little pink construction paper and scissors and a few other office supplies. So one by one, they would come up and and I would write the name of their loved one whom, had, whom they had lost, many of them little children. I'd write their name on a little, a little pink construction paper heart that you would see in an elementary school classroom. And I'd give it to them with a straight pen. And we had made a chapel of bed sheets, four walls of bed sheets. They would go into that chapel and pin the name of their loved ones on the walls of this bedsheet chapel and say a prayer. By the end of the day, this chapel was filled with pink hearts and love was communicated that day. I'll tell you another story, completely different story, but it's a true story. There was a young priest who had just finished his theology school and was just ordained. And 
he really wanted to impress people in his priesthood. He wanted to make a name for himself. Recognize the phrase there? He wanted to make a name for himself as a priest. And he started out in this parish and, and this elderly man passed away. And so he and the retired elderly priest got in the car and drove to the funeral home. And he had in his mind constructed this perfectly theologically brilliant statement about, about life and death and loss and resurrection. And so when he got to the widow and he greeted her and said, I'm sorry for your loss. And then he gave her this perfectly well-constructed theological statement. And the elderly woman who had just lost her husband, she thanked him very politely, shook his hand, and then he moved on and he went to the back of the parlor, the funeral parlor. But he watched as the elderly priest who was much greatly loved in this parish. And, and she, he went and prayed at the coffin and came to the elderly woman and he grabbed her hands and he held them tightly. And then he looked her in the eye and then he leaned over and whispered something in her ear and she fell apart and fell into his arms and they cried for a moment together. And this young priest was upset <laughs> because his great theological statement didn't move her at all. And while they were driving back home, he turned to the elderly priest and he said, what on earth did you tell her that moved her so much? And he smiled and he said, all I said was, these things happen. These things happen? That's not a very theologically brilliant statement. But here's the thing. Love was communicated. That woman knew that this priest loved her. And so it shot through all of the theological boundaries, the language boundaries, the cultural boundaries. That priest communicated love. And so we return to our families, to our nation, to our political situation, and we pray that the Holy Spirit might fill us with a spirit of Christ's love so that we may not be so preoccupied with ourselves and making a name for ourselves, but instead communicate the love of Christ to the other. And if we have the Holy Spirit in us, love will be communicated this day too.